We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after the Wolves lose to the Toronto Raptors by 12. Final score Wolves 91, Raptors 103. And that was the the last note here before the All-Star break. The Wolves do go into the break now at 31 and 28. They have the seventh best record in the Western Conference. Two and a half games behind the Denver Nuggets for the sixth seed and three and a half games behind the Dallas Mavericks for the five seed. It's been a it's been a winding road of ups and downs on both sides of the ball for the Wolves now 59 games into this season. They do go into the break with the number nine offense in the league for the season and the number 13 defense. Uh, in ways, I think you can say those rankings are maybe decently close to what we would have predicted for this team going into the year. Being a top 10 offense was a common belief back in October. And being around average defensively, maybe more like 18, I think that was kind of the, the hope um, going into the season. But again, like, I don't think we could say anybody predicted this. Like, this path to 31 wins, to 28 losses, to a number nine offense, number 13 defense, like, this path has not been predictable. And the more time I think I spend trying to wrap my head around that unpredictability and just not be able to wrap my head around it, I think more and more about this season being sort of an unpredictable journey because we just didn't know that much about the Wolves coach going into it, right? Like, I I think Chris Finch came into this season with a high Q score. He was was popular. We, We thought he was probably a good coach, but we didn't know exactly how he would be a good coach, what that would look like. I mean, there was this this legend of Finch being an offensive mastermind. We didn't really have that much to go off of from that. They didn't look like an offensive juggernaut last season once he took over. And then, you know, defensively, we didn't really know anything about him. How, how was he going to approach the defense? Was he even going to be the defense guy? Or would there be a defensive coordinator like Saunders had? We had, we had no idea. I think the best hope and the hope that I think a lot of people had with Finch was coming into the year was just that he was going to be effectively creative. 
I remember thinking about that back this summer and, and when I was in Vegas for Summer League, that that's what I just tried to talk to people about. You know, I tried to figure out you know, what's the proper level of excitement to have about Finch. And and I remember a few different people saying to me, and obviously part of this is Finch having coached in Toronto uh, with Nick Nurse, but, but a lot of people said, you know, he should be like Nick Nurse in, in that he... Not that they were saying he was going to instantly come in and be one of the best coaches in the league, but like Nick Nurse and that he won't be afraid to go outside of the box to be creative. And, you know, you start hearing that from a few different people and you go, oh, Nick Nurse, like, that that's good. But even from there, I, I found myself thinking, you know, if Finch is actually Nick Nurse 2.0, how many wins does that even earn you? Like, the, the whole question of just how actually impactful is great coaching, I, I didn't. I didn't know the answer to that. I didn't know how to quantify that. Is it three wins over the course of the year? Is it two? Is it five? I, I I didn't know. And it's it's certainly difficult to measure. I mean, one thing we can go off of is that Vegas win total over under going into the season. I mean, the expectation was that this was going to be, the line was 34 and a half. They're going to be about a mid-30s win team. And that pace suggested that at this juncture of the season, 59 games into it, that they would be 25 and 34. That's on pace for 34 and a half wins. Well, they're 31 and 28, so that's six games better. Is that all Finch? No, probably not. He's probably has himself generated six wins, but but some of it is him. You know, some of that suggests that Finch is then having a Nick Nurse like impact as a coach. But again, hard to quantify. What I think is a little bit more concrete to kind of stand on with this idea is that Chris Finch, the way we can compare Chris Finch to Nick Nurse is that they do coach a similar style of basketball. If you look around the league, the Wolves probably play most similarly to Toronto. I mean, different personnel in in many ways, but similar stylistic results in almost every capacity outside of shot selection. And those things really pop in the stats. I mean, it's just a few examples here. Toronto leads the league in turnovers generated, and the Wolves are number two in turnovers generated. The Wolves rank dead last in defensive rebounding, and the Raptors are the second worst defensive rebounding team in the league. Toronto and Minnesota, they both have the weird juxtaposition of being terrible defensive rebounding teams, but excellent offensive rebounding teams. Toronto is second in the league in offensive rebounding, and the Wolves are fourth in offensive rebounding. You go down the line, and there's more. Both teams are top five in the frequency where they, in which they play in transition. Also, they're the two teams who give up the most corner threes in the whole NBA. The Wolves also foul the most in the league, and the Raptors foul the fourth most. I mean, it's it really is it really is kind of nuts. And I, I have a, I, I'm not going to keep listing them off. But <laughs> there's more stats that are almost the same with both these teams. And so, again, I didn't really know what to take to it. And I take from that and I didn't know exactly how to present this to to Finch because I don't want to be pejorative and like you know, saying, are you, you know, are you just a Nick Nurse facsimile? But I, I did ask Finch before the game just about how strikingly similar the numbers suggest they are as coaches. And I thought this was an interesting answer from Finch. Kind of along those lines, there are striking statistical similarities between your team this season and, and Toronto this season, where maybe on paper you looked at 
you guys have Cat, and they don't really play a traditional center. I mean, yeah. I guess to me, I would look at coach the coaches as that maybe having similar styles of coaching. Would you say that that's fair and has led to those statistical similarities? I mean, I think um, I think we believe a lot of the same things. Um, I think having gone against Nick my entire life uh, and played all different types of teams, he's coached. He's always had whatever roster construction he's had. He's always been very creative and kind of found a way to just play his best players regardless. No, he's not afraid of that. Not afraid of thinking through that and, you know, helping drive some of his creativity, I'm sure. You say that's similar for you? I think so. Yeah. You know, when you grow, when you coach at some of the places we coach, you may only have six good players, you know, and you still got to win. So you got to figure out like, how do I maximize these? I mean, I remember the British uh, Olympic program, you know, we played like three centers at one time because they were our three best players. We just had to figure it out. It wasn't pretty, (laughs) but we beat people up. (laughs) I think we've seen a good amount of that from Chris Finch this season. You know, finding a way to win with a group that doesn't le- doesn't perfectly fit together. You know, they they don't have that three centers predicament that uh, the Great Britain team did. I don't even think they have three centers on this team. But the Wolves did come into this season with a roster whose three best players all sort of had the same strengths and the same weaknesses. Right? Like, I think Finch has effectively gotten creative with Cat, Ant, and Dilo. I mean, they. They have been a top 10 offense this season, even if it took a while. So that kind of checks the box of figuring out those three's offensive fit. And then defensively, you know, that's where those three have most exceeded expectations this season, I think. I, finding a scheme by Finch that fostered that is, you know, that's some pretty signature creativity on his part. I think Finch's most impressive stat of the season might be that the Wolves' defense is an immense 6.6 points per 100 possessions better with D'Angelo on the floor compared to when he's off the floor. By contrast, the Wolves were five points per 100 possessions worse on defense last season with D'Lo on the floor compared to when he was off. I mean, Finch has implemented a style of play similar to Nurse that lets his personnel, whatever that personnel might be on a given night, you know, it could be Greg Monroe and Jalen Noel, but Finch has put that together so that group ends up more often than not you know, being better than what we might have expected the sum of their parts to be. Now, I'm not saying this has been, you know, a, a, a perfect A++ season from Finch. I think if we're picking nits with Finch, it's that some of these effective creative adjustments that he has found have taken some time, right? You know, finding the best starting five took a while. Figuring out how to rotate the bench, that took a while. And figuring out the offense, I mean, that took almost half the season. You know, to segue that into the, into this game tonight against Toronto and, and just these past few weeks for the Wolves, I think we're now waiting on another creative adjustment from Fitch. And that's, that's to this defense that's stunk lately. I mean, the Wolves only gave up 103 points tonight, so I don't think this will come up as a, a terrible defensive rating game, but this certainly, if you watched it, did not at all feel like a turning of the corner with the defense. 
again, a defense that's been bad almost every single individual game for the past month. I mean, they ranked 21st in the league on defense since January 9th, and we know that those games, 20 games, have not necessarily come against the strongest competition. I think Finch is circling around trying to re-find a defensive identity for this team. And, and doing that by adding a different set of defensive coverages, right? The, the question I have about that process, because I don't want to outright dismiss it as a, as a dumb idea, but the question I have about it is how much is adding to the defensive portfolio about needing to have more in your bag come the playoffs? And then if that is the logic, if you've decided, you know, we just ultimately need to be able to do multiple different things, then how much is this learning process costing the defensive effectiveness in the meantime. Just how much is is adding defenses costing them defensively right now? I asked that I asked Kat about that after tonight's game. How much is adding different defensive coverages over this past month been about knowing that you're going to need to play multiple different coverages in the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I think that you you've seen us play the, the switching game. You've seen us do the high wall. You've seen us do the drop yesterday for, for the game. Today we did a high drop. You know, There's so many different ways we're trying to fit, uh, play and obviously get some data on, see what works and what doesn't work. But I think that the ability to be able to change our defenses on the fly, especially in the playoff series, is going to be huge for uh, keeping the uh, opponent guessing. And obviously they're having their offensive game plan kind of having to make, throw it out the window whenever we choose to go you know, zone or you know, different uh, 15 coverages we have. Do you feel that adding some what the high wall has been the best statistically and adding other things? Well, you just said it makes sense for the big picture. Do you think that adding different coverages has at all contributed to this month being a worse defensive month? No, I, I, uh, I think that's just an escape goat excuse to be like, we're not playing defense. Well, I think at the end of the day, we're just not making the right rotations. You know, it's things that no matter what the coverage is, it's things that could be done in any coverage, you know. So, uh, I think that we just haven't uh, played to our identity. I think we've been trying to win games offensively because we've been so good offensively this month that we forget that if we can combine the offense and the defense together, that makes a special team, you know, uh, can win uh, can win championships with offense you know, just alone. So. It's, of course, not just about one thing that has led to this extended defensive drop-off. It, it never is. You know, like Kat said, the offense being as good as it has been has definitely had a I think, psychological impact on the defense. I think fatigue is also something understandable to point to, you know, given the style of defense, how much energy it requires, you know, where we're just at in the calendar year up at the, you know, the brim of the all-star break. And also just the eye test, like they, they look tired. And then also, I, I think I would disagree with with Kat when, when he says that diversi- diversifying coverages is just a scapegoat excuse. I mean, I think he just doesn't want to make an excuse, but... I personally think it's intuitive that adding different different defenses would lead to execution lapses, right? You just have more things to do, more things to think about. You know, that's probably going to lead to a little bit more slippage. I mean, it certainly pops statistically. If you look at Second Spectrum's tracking data, it says that when the Wolves play up to touch in pick and roll coverage or blitz pick and rolls this season, like the effectiveness is a is a mile better than when they show on screens or just when they straight up switch them. 
Now, again, I, I, I don't disagree with the idea of trying to diversify. I think, I think that actually might be some creativity on Finch's part, some actual forward thinking. And again, I, and I also understand the fatigue, but we all need to understand that if this isn't something that Finch can find an answer to soon, that this this poor defense sustains, it will push this team not only to out of the sixth seed, but you know it could push them back even further in the standings. Finch has eventually figured out every other lingering problem with this team this season. But this is currently the most pressing problem that calls for Nick Nurse-like creativity from Finch. And I'm It'll be one of the things I'm most looking forward to tracking here in the, I guess, not second half of the season, but the post-All-Star break part of the season. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back to discuss which other areas of the game tonight, similar to the defense, kind of left us wanting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 12-point loss to Toronto on Wednesday night. Uh, we hit on the defense there in the first half. The show was not bouncing back like we hoped it might. Uh, again, like I said, the defensive rating might be might not be terrible from that game, but it was another game where the opponent was missing their best player. Fred Van Vliet was out. Nurse was forced to play you know, multiple non-shooters the entire game, and the Wolves went zone kind of tried to force those guys to space the floor. Like, they got by defensively. I wouldn't say they, again, did anything close to turning the corner. The other underwhelming part of tonight's game was the shooting by the Wolves. After only making 13 of their 55 threes against Charlotte on Tuesday, they only made 10 of their 42 threes tonight. So that's 24% from deep on 97 attempts over the last two games. I mean, these these stretches of bad shooting, I mean, we, we, we've seen them uh, over the course of the season, and they're they're pretty painful <laughs> to, to watch. It's, it's given the volume, it, when, when they're not hitting at even a you know, 30% clip, that the offense just so clearly crashes into a wall. But, you know, to be fair, the shooting's volatile, right? In the eight games prior to these last two, I mean, I've been on here... <laughs> Talking about Leo you know, listing off the stats like, oh, Torian Prince is shooting 63% from three over the past two weeks and uh, all stuff like that. I mean, in, in those eight games before these these last two, the Wolves 
had made 43% of their threes over that stretch and in all those games on high volume. And this is just part of the nature of being a really high volume three-point shooting team, right? Like literally only Utah and Golden State have taken more threes than the Wolves have this year. And I will say Chris Finch um, exudes a lot of patience when it comes to to three-point shooting. He, he, he seems to know this. He knows three-point shooting is volatile. Here was Finch tonight after he was asked about another poor shooting evening from a squad. You said before how what happened before with shooting doesn't necessarily mean what's going to happen in the future. Is it is does the team have that mindset? The players have that mindset too uh, out there, and, and how are they able to to try and turn the page even on a night when they're just not falling for four quarters? Yeah, I mean, um, it's not something we really talk about other than we just keep saying, you know, good shots. They stay confident in the shots. You know, that's what it is. Uh, um, and uh, make the next play, make the right plays. I don't really know really what else we could say. We're not going to try to change the way we played. I thought we for the most part, played through a lot of physicality and got, you know, got loose and we're able to create a lot of good pass-pass combinations. You know, I think our passing was a little off target at times. That probably cost us some good looks. Um, but other than that, you know, I was pleased with the offense. I mean, just... There is clearly a commitment to this style of offense for the Wolves. As Finch said there, you know, they're not going to change the way they play. And I get that. I mean, the Wolves have a great shot selection map for the season. They're Third in the league in three-point volume, 29th in the league in mid-range volume, and ninth in the league of volume of shots at the rim. That's the fourth best shot selection in the league, according to Cleaning the Glasses, location, effective field goal percentage metric that they have. But again, to pick nits, I, I wonder if there aren't ways to adjust a few players on the roster's shot selection in ways that would be you know, beneficial in the ag- aggregate. The most glaring one, I think we would all agree with is Malik Beasley. I I don't know really how else to say it other than it just seems like he takes too many threes. It's just a little bit too trigger happy. Not honestly, not that much, but a, a little bit too much. And and that leads to kind of it can lead to games like these these past two nights where he's not playing that many minutes, but he's getting off a lot of threes and not making a lot of them. In the Charlotte game, Beasley was 0 for 4 from 3, and tonight he was 2 for 10 from deep. I mean, he's 59 games in the season. He's down to 35% from 3 on the year. It just feels like the volume could be tweaked there. But then there's also Jaden McDaniels, who feels like another offensive tweak option. I, I, I thought McDaniels was great in that Charlotte game on Tuesday. We talked about that at length. He was probably the biggest reason they won that game outside of Cat. And, I, and then tonight, I thought he was really good too. 18 points and seven boards for McDaniels. But only three of those 18 points came from beyond the arc. McDaniels made only one of his seven threes he took tonight. From two-point range, he was five for six. It was the same thing in the Charlotte game. One for six from deep in that one, six of eight from two. McDaniels, I mean, it's, it's certainly not the Beasley volume, but he also feels like someone who takes too many threes. You know, while I I understand his role on this team often asks him to be a spot-up guy, it's just pretty clear that that isn't his main offensive strength. He's far better going to the basket than just pulling. McDaniels is shooting 29.6% from three this year. And honestly, that does 
just watching him shoot, that feels like a more accurate measurement of his shooting acumen than the 36.4% he shot from deep last season. I, I, I wonder with both Beasley and McDaniels if there aren't some small tweaks you can make that leads them, you know, to be slightly more efficient offensive players. You know, is there a way to tweak their usage similarly to how Jared Vanderbilt's offensive usage was tweaked, you know, six, eight weeks ago? It's not like Vando became a floor spacer or anything like that. He just started operating out of that dunker spot in a slightly different manner. I'd, I'd like to think something like that can happen with McDaniels where he finds himself with the ball in his hands on the perimeter more often with a path, you know, to attack the basket downhill rather than just when he's catching it on the perimeter, having his first instinct be or his first you know, principle to be to shoot from there. I think with Beasley, it's probably a little bit harder to find what that tweak might be for him. He doesn't really have a strong second element to his offensive game. I think that the tweak with him is is probably just convincing him to shoot or to have a little bit more discernment of the shots he does take from three. Again, we've talked about this before too, but Beasley's three-point volume this season is up 23% from what it was last season. And last season was not low volume. He shot 12.5 threes per 100 possessions last year, and that's up to 15.3 threes per 100 possessions this year. I think you just worry given how high overall the three-point volume is on this team in that just like a week-long bad shooting stretch could have a real adverse impact. You know, that could that could lead to a week where you lose three or four games. You know, a, a bad shooting week right now at this juncture of the season would be pretty painful given that the Wolves are in a place where they need to be picking up games on the Denvers and the Dallases and or even just you know they, they're gonna need to play above 500 ball the rest of the way to I think to stay ahead of the Clippers I, I think the biggest t- thing for this team after the all-star break outside of making offensive and defensive tweaks though is just to get the best players back to playing at their best or at least better levels the cat has been very consistent over this past month and a half Anthony Edwards and DeAndre Russell have not been. D'Lo was 5 of 20 from the field against Charlotte on Tuesday, and he only made two of his 11 shots tonight. Mostly threes in both of those games, but that's still not a good percentage. He needs to come back around as being the impactful defensive player he was earlier in the season, and the offense has to come back around too. And then with Edwards, that's... Yeah, that one is... (laughs) It's a little bit more gray. It's It's been really up and down lately, way up and way down, and almost like half one way or half the other. Like It it's feels like a coin flip. It's going to be a good ant game or it's going to be a terrible ant game. The, the lingering knee soreness he had for a month I has to factor into our equation here to some extent. And then obviously tonight playing a day after he sprained his ankle is a factor too. I mean, Edwards did not make a single shot in the game tonight in 32 minutes of play. I don't know what to say about this injury stuff. Quite frankly, I'm just I'm just sick of it and the confusion of whether or not he is, in fact, hurt. I I totally hear those of you who are frustrated by the Wolves not deciding to rest him at all. I 
you can make a case for that. But I also don't personally, I don't know how to formulate an opinion on that. I don't know what the extent of these injuries are. We've got mixed signals. So it's it, it's very difficult for me to have an opinion on it. But the fact of the matter is, is that Ant needs to rebound over this all-star break. Get back. We 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 need to have a week off, be able to, you know, eliminate some of the confusion of what his injury status is. And overall, just get him to a point where you know, you're not, he's 20 years old. We're not expecting him to be on every single night, but right now he's just inconsistent. And and given the landscape of the roster, Anthony Edwards is too important to this team to be inconsistent, or at least at least this inconsistent. All right, let's wrap tonight with prize picks. I totally went the wrong way on my four picks tonight. Uh, coming into the game, I, I was looking at the fact that these two teams were the two worst defensive rebounding teams in the league and both top five offensive rebounding teams. Um, I, because of that, incorrectly picked a rebound fest. I, uh, I, I took the over on five and a half rebounds for OG and Anub- o- OG and Anobi, over six and a half rebounds for Scotty Barnes, and over two and a half rebounds for Gary Trent Jr., only Trent Jr. hit the over of those three. And then similarly, I uh, I bet on a big rebounding night for Jared Vanderbilt. I took the over on eight and a half rebounds for him. But Vando uh, only finished with three rebounds tonight. His minutes were really cut into. I think that there's one player that seems to need the all-star break most on this team. It's, uh, it's Vanderbilt. But for the picks, that was a complete miss for me. I think the more I think about it, the, the theory behind it, probably wasn't all that good, right? Like I I probably should have focused more on the fact that these are these two teams are bad defensive rebounding teams more than I was infatuated by the idea that they're good offensive rebounding teams. There's right there's just there's more defensive rebound opportunities than offensive rebound opportunities in a in a game. Either way, that's uh <clears throat> that's one and three on the night for me. Brings me down to 124, 99 and eight on these picks on the year. Um, if over the all-star break, you're looking for a sports fix price picks, not only has basketball over unders, but they have every other sport. I know they have a whole setup for golf now that you could try out this weekend if you wanted, but whatever sport it's for, when you do sign up for prize picks or have a friend sign up, have them sign up using the promo code Dane. And that way they will receive a $100 sign up bonus when they deposit prizepicks.com or the prize picks app. All right, that's all I got for you tonight. Um, I will, this will not be the last pod before the All-Star break. Britt Robson and I will be recording on Thursday afternoon. So you can look for that pod discussing, I guess, where the Wolves are at the All-Star break and whatever else Britt has on his mind uh, tomorrow. That'll be in your podcast feed sometime on Thursday evening. And then we will uh, we'll take a few days off for sure through the All-Star game on Sunday night. And, uh, and get back to it midweek next week. But I will talk to you all tomorrow with Britt. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.